Hey, if you have your Bibles, open them to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Hopefully you brought your Bibles this morning. If you were here last week, you know I told you to. Uh, if you didn't, it's okay this time, all right? But there is one like this on the floor around you. It's a blue one, and I invite you to pick one of those up. And again, we say this every week, but it, I mean it this time. Uh, if you don't have a Bible at home, please take this one with you. Uh, we always want you to be in the Word with us, but this week, as we start a brand new series on God's Word, we think it's particularly important, and we've given you a card uh, that we're going to talk about later, this 40-day challenge that kind of goes with this, bu- this book, so take this with you. But Psalm 19 is where you're going to turn. Uh, I'm going to take the roundabout way to get there, but I promise I will meet you there uh, in a few minutes. It's page 381 is where we're going to be in this Bible, if you have that one, 381. We're starting a brand new series, as you've seen, called Eat the Scroll. The title from this series comes from an Old Testament prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 3. Uh, Ezekiel is a prophet of God, which basically means he is given the word of God to deliver. And uh, he has this vision in Ezekiel 3. He has this vision of these uh, mystical creatures, and he hears the voice of God. And this is what the voice of God tells him, Ezekiel 3.1. And he said to me, son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll and then go speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, Ezekiel says, and he gave me the scroll to eat. And then he said to me, son of man, eat this scroll I am giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. And then he said to me, son of man, go now to the people of Israel and speak my words to them. So this scroll uh, that God is telling Ezekiel to eat obviously is, is his word. It's the word of God. And time after time, as we look through scripture, we see this idea that that God's word is not so much about here, but it's about here. And it's weird, but we're going to talk about that. We're going to unpack that for the next six weeks. That's what we're going to talk about, the importance of reading, learning, praying through, meditating on the Bible, on the word of God. And, and our hope is today uh, that if you've had a, ever had a hard time just sitting down to read your Bible, or maybe you just don't know where to start, or you don't know why you should bother, or maybe it's always been just really difficult for you to get involved in the Bible, we really hope, we really hope to help you out with that. Man, I'm really hungry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't get a bagel this morning. Would you guys, I, I brought some food. Would you guys mind if I ate while I talked to you? Is that, is that cool? You guys good with that? All right, I got, I got, I got my, uh, my breakfast over here, and, uh, and so I, I'll try not to be too distracting, okay? I'm just going <clears> to... <throat> what, you guys don't like milk? It's just a little... It is a little weird, isn't it, to see a grown man drink milk for nourishment, especially from a baby bottle. It's a little strange. It seems a little crazy, right, to think that that would be where I'd get all of my nourishment. But we don't think twice about it when, as Christians, we get a lot of our nourishment or all of our nourishment from milk. We, we don't think about what it means in our spiritual life. Man, I hope that was cow's milk. Uh, and not formula, all right? Gosh. So if a mature adult gets all his nourishment from milk, we think it's crazy. We think it's reckless, maybe even unsafe. But as a Christian... Many of us don't think twice when we see mature believers or people that we see as mature believers get all of their spiritual nourishment from milk. What do I mean by that? Well, take a look at Hebrews 5. You can look at this on the side screens. Hebrews 5.13. The writer of Hebrews is writing to a church full of believers, and he says this, anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness. 
But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. He said milk is fine for an infant. But if you want to learn and be trained in righteousness, if you want to be able to distinguish good from evil, you need, or you need to be eating some solid food. Why? Well, because what is milk? Have you ever thought about what milk really is? Milk is it's pre-digested food. Right? It's, milk, it's food that's been eaten by the mom and processed and, and uh, put out in a form that a baby can digest. So what is spiritual milk? Spiritual milk is things like podcasts. It's books about the Bible. It's, it's sermons. It's what you get here on Sunday morning. I uh, chew on Scripture for 15 to 20 hours a week, and then I give you 35 minutes of milk to use and go about with your life. Now, this might sting a little. All right, and I'm not, I'm not insulting anyone. I'm not trying to do that, but this is going to sting. But did you know that some Christians never get weaned off of milk? Some, some people go their whole lives, and a Sunday church service is the full extent of their interaction with, their relationship with God. And if that's you, you will never become fully mature. You know, there's nothing wrong with a little milk. I love milk with cookies, Right? I love it to wash down a donut, but it's never meant to be the full extent of your nutrition. In the same way, podcasts, sermons, books about the Bible are great, but they're never meant to replace solid food. So what is solid food? Spiritual solid food is the unedited, unadulterated, unfiltered word of God that we see in the Bible. And if you want to grow to maturity as a follower of Jesus, you must learn to feed yourself on God's word. And so what we hope we'll do, the next six weeks we'll do is two things. One, I hope it will produce a desire in us to devour God's word. I want it to really produce a hunger in us that we want more and more of God's word. And two, I want to better prepare you to fully absorb all the nutrition uh, that's found in God's word. And so here's what I want to do today. We're going to go uh, verse by verse through part of Psalm 19. Uh, This is a psalm written by King David, and he's writing all about God's word. And so, um, in fact, why don't we do this? If you are able, would you stand with me? Let's stand for the reading of God's word. We can read it off the side screens here. Psalm 19, uh, verse 7. It starts like this. Ready? Let's read it together. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Amen. You can be seated. So this is just three verses of scripture. And what I want to do is I want to look in depth at these three verses that David wrote about God's word. And we're going to draw out what I'm going to call the six benefits of eating the scroll. And these are in your message notes too. If you've got the little card when you came in, you can follow along. If you've got the Genesis church app open, you can follow along in the message notes section there. Um, Let's look at uh, verse by verse, verse seven. We'll start with verse seven. David says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. It's important to know that when David is writing, in this case, he's writing about the law. He's not just talking about the Ten Commandments or the the commands of God. He's talking about the totality of the revealed word of God. 
And see, we have an advantage over David in this. Uh, We have much more of the revealed word of God than David had available to him even. Because David had, you know, the law of Moses, and, and he had some of the earlier books of the Bible, but we have the entire Old Testament and New Testament. We've got the entire revealed word of God available to us today. And David, just talking about this little bit, said, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. It refreshes the soul. When we dive into God's word, it refreshes the soul. It makes us feel, it changes us. In fact, that's the first thing we're going to talk about. God's word changes lives. The first benefit, God's word changes lives. Laws can't change human hearts. Politics can't change human hearts, right? We can pass laws that feed the hungry, but we can never pass a law to make someone desire to feed the hungry. Like we can pass, uh, legislate certain moral statutes of our behavioral expectations, but we can't pass a statute that makes someone want to be morally upright, right? And so uh, I've seen people, and I bet you have too, though, whose life was completely changed by the word of God. Haven't you? I have. So when I was just a baby Christian, um, drinking spiritual milk, my pastor preached on Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who less- listen. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your, now- out of your mouth. And, and I was pretty new to this Bible thing, and uh, it kind of struck me that Scripture said that no unwholesome talk should come out of your mouth. And I thought about my speech and how I sometimes joked and things I sometimes said and how I related with people. And I realized that um, I wasn't up to that standard, that there was from time to time unwholesome talk that came out of my mouth. And so I, I wrote out that verse and I stuck it to my steering wheel of my car and I wrote it out again and I put it by my phone at work. And so uh, every time I was driving into work, I would read that verse, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building one another up so that it might be helpful to those who hear. And I would, I would read that on the way to work. And then when I'd engage in conversations, I'd think about it. And then when I picked up my phone and I was on the phone and I started to feel my temper flaring up a little bit, I would look over at that little post-it note there and I said, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And, and what I noticed was my speech pattern started to change. I started to notice that less and less unwholesome talk came out of my mouth. And I started to notice not just that, it wasn't just a behavioral change, but there was a mindset change that was happening in me that I didn't want to use unwholesome talk anymore. Because it wasn't somebody telling me, hey, Steve, you shouldn't say those things. It was God's word taking root in my heart. You know, the Bible says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that when you have unwholesome speech, it doesn't come from here. It comes from here, right? And so what happened was God's word had taken root in my heart and was changing my heart. uh, And it was all because of his word. Now, let me ask you, where's a part of your soul that needs refreshing? What's a part of your life that you'd like to see change, but you've just been unable to change so far? I guarantee that God has something to say about that in his word. And if you read it, and if you ruminate on it, if you meditate on it, it will change your life and refresh your soul. Let's go on. Second half of verse 7, David says this, The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I love that, making wise the simple. The second point, second benefit of eating the scroll is God's word gives wisdom. His word gives wisdom. The, The Hebrew word for wisdom can actually be translated as skill. It's the skill of discerning God's desire for your life and then following it. 
like making good decisions and forming right relationships. It's, it's setting priorities and then following through with those priorities. That's a skill. And it's a skill that you can learn from God's word. This is a promise that you don't have to make every mistake in life. That you can learn from the word of God instead of going, oh, well, I guess I learned that lesson. You know, there's some expensive lessons that you can learn when you make your own mistakes, right? Proverbs 2, 6 says, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. This is a promise to us. It's a promise that I don't have to mess up everything in my life. I can learn by following God's word. Uh, Last fall, I entered a really small 5K run over in Sheridan, Indiana. A buddy of mine was involved with a charity, and um, I told him mostly I'd run it just to support him and to support his charity, and it's a really small race. About a mile in, I was running in fourth place. Did I mention it was a small race? So there's like, there were about 120 people in this race, and I was running in fourth place, and uh, about 200 yards ahead, I could see the first place guy, and, we, and the road comes up to this T, and uh, he turns right, and then about 100 yards ahead, the second place guy's there, and he turns right, and then about 30 yards ahead of me, the third place guy's there, and he turns right, so I'm getting ready to go turn right, and I look down at the road, and there's a little arrow that says left. So I turn left, and then I got about 10 yards down the road and said, hey, guys, this way. <laughs> I didn't want to cheat. I wanted to have my integrity intact, you know, and so, but I went the right way and it wasn't because I followed the crowd. It was because the signs told me I was supposed to go to the left. I still finished fourth. They came back and passed me and I'm not that fast, but, but these, they were following each other. They weren't paying attention to the signs. They weren't looking at the rules. The truth is there's only one way to legally finish that 5K, and it was go to the left, right? These guys were just following each other. They were just looking at how we want another. And so often in our culture, we get our moral compass from just watching the next guy. You see how our neighbor reacts, and that, uh, it, that informs how we're going to react to something. Or we see what our co- hear what our coworkers talk about, and that tells us what we're going to talk about and how we're going to say talk about those people or about those events or whatever. But if we keep our eyes on the Word of God, we won't be led in the wrong direction. God's Word gives wisdom. His Word gives wisdom on how to be a parent. His Word gives wisdom on how to be a good husband or a good wife. His Word gives wisdom on how to be a model employee how to find financial freedom, which we talked about for the last three weeks here, how to find your purpose in life, how to honor your parents well, how to be in smart relationships. This book, this book is not just preparation for eternity. It's provision for now. It gives us wisdom for now. God's word gives wisdom. So let's go on. Point three, the third benefit of eating the scroll. Psalm 19.8, David says, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart, giving joy to the heart giving joy to the heart. The, the third benefit of eating the scroll is God's word produces joy. Here's what David is saying. The reason God's word gives us wisdom is that his ways are right. He knows the best way for us to live. And as we begin to align our ways with his ways, we start to know that we're walking in accordance with God's will for our lives. Right? We start to see that we're carrying out God's purpose for our lives, that he's fulfilling his promise in us. And you won't find that kind of joy apart from God. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my way, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As long as you're content to think your own thoughts, 
and walk in your own ways, you'll never find the joy that's in God's word. Also, I want you to know you won't get this kind of joy by just drinking, drinking milk. This is solid food country, baby. If you're going to experience all the joy that's in God's word, you need to be down deep. You need to be in his word, reading it every day. You need to be meditating on it, knowing it, knowing God's word and knowing his ways. You won't get that from just listening to me or listening to a podcast. You've you got to dive in deep, baby. You've got to re- raid the buffet uh, to get the joy. Jeremiah 15 says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. See, there's that analogy again. Eating the words of God, nourishing yourself with them. It's like going to a really great restaurant, having a perfect meal, and then walking away with that feeling that you're completely, totally satisfied. God's word is like that. Now, some of you may think, well, Steve, when I read God's word, I don't get joy from it. It just seems like a long list of rules to me. And that's true at first. God's word often serves to reveal just how short we fall from his desire for our lives. And if you look up and you look at that gap from where God wants us to be to where we are now, you can look at that and you can go, you know what, that's impossible. I don't even want to try. You can end up with this deep sense of sadness or even depression because you see the gap that's been created between his will and his desire and our behavior. But if you meditate on it, if you ruminate on it, if you digest God's word, you let it invade your life, you'll find that it brings joy like nothing on earth. David continues, verse 8, The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Now, in this case, David's talking about, when he says the commands, he's talking about God's commands, his authoritative words. This is about giving light for guidance and direction. In fact, the point four, the, the fourth benefit of eating the scroll, God's word provides guidance and direction. You know, almost every week after the service, and certainly uh, during the week while I'm in the office, I get at least one question, one phone call uh, from someone in this church seeking godly direction. And it'll go something like this. Should I, should I take this job or that one? You know, should I move or should I stay? Should I go to this event or not? You know, what do you, what do you think? That's what they always ask. What do you think? And what I sometimes say, but what I always want to say is, you shouldn't care what I think. I don't have all the answers. What we should ask is, what does God have to say about it? Because again, God's word has great direction and guidance for life. Now, here's the hard part. God doesn't just drop his guidance and direction from heaven. That's why this almost never works. Okay, God, what should I do in this situation? They all lose heart. They come from trembling from their strongholds. Like, oh, that's really helpful. Thank you for that, God. God doesn't just drop his guidance and direction from heaven. In fact, Psalm 119, he gives it to us along our journey. All right, Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. And so the idea in this verse is that we are walking, and as we're walking, God shows us the right path. If we're walking and we have the light, as we're walking, God shows us the path. Right? And so as long as we're walking in God's light, he's going to continue to show us the next step. He's going to show us the path. What happens so many times is this. We do this. Right? We're walking around without the light. And then we get to this point and we look up and all of a sudden we're lost. And we go, okay, God, give me your light now. But his light is a, a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And even if we get that lamp on our path, we can look down and we go, this isn't helpful because I don't even know where I am. I don't even know how I got here. 
But yet we're expecting God to come in and bail us out. Instead, what God says is, no, I want you to be walking in my light all the time. I want you to let me show you where to go. And God always gives us the next step. He never gives us, almost never, gives us five steps ahead. He almost always gives us the next step. And if you're walking with him on a daily basis, if you're in the scriptures, you know who you are, you know where you are, you can see that path clearly. And if you do that day after day after day, you end up as the person that God wants you to be. You'll end up in the right relationships. You'll end up the parent God wants you to be and the friend God wants you to be. He will speak to you in Scripture. He will give you guidance and direction. Okay, verse 9 takes a new direction. David says, The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. David's been using all these synonyms for the word of God, you know, his precepts, his statutes, his commands, but now he shifts and he talks about the fear of the Lord. And fear isn't being afraid, right? You're not afraid of God like you're afraid of puppy monkey baby. (laughs) Fear is like a a reverent awe. It's a a deep sense of respect. There's a relational aspect to it. And so our fifth benefit is this. God's word demands a relational response. Look, here's the thing. If you're not a Christian... You can take the first four points of this message and um, you can apply them to your life and your life will get better. And uh, you will see benefits. Um, It's kind of like when you first start, uh, if you haven't been involved in any fitness program, if you go to the gym and you spend four weeks at the gym, uh, you're going to feel better. You're going to get fitter. But eventually you get to a point where that doesn't just work anymore. You've got to have a plan. And uh, what what happens here at this point, we get to reach this point where it's all about we needed this relationship. You, you could take those four points, even if you're not a Christian, you could take those four points. You could write a book about it. You write a book about how God's principles can help you have a better life now. But this book is not just words. It's not even just the living word. This book is Jesus. This book is Jesus. This is a complete story of God's love for you and his desire for you and how he wants a a relationship with you so much that he sent his one and only son to earth, from heaven to earth, to walk in our shoes, to die a horrible death, and then to be raised from the dead so that we can be saved from our sin. That's what this book is. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling place among us. The the word of God is Jesus, and Jesus doesn't just desire to give you wisdom or give you guidance or, or give you joy like some cosmic vending machine. He desires a relationship with you, and that looks like any other good relationship in your life. There's give and take. Uh, there's time spent together. There's attention paid to one another. Eating the scroll is not just about learning how to be a better husband or to manage your money better or to control your temper or who to marry. Although it'll help you with all those things. Eating the scroll is about entering into a long-term, loving, life-saving, spirit-lifting, all-encompassing relationship with the maker of the universe. It's about desperation for God. It's about needing him and needing to hear from him through his word. All right, David continues. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. righteous. That, that word firm uh, in your Bible it may be translated as sure 
or maybe it's translated as true. The idea here, the sixth benefit of eating the scroll is this. God's word is the absolute truth. It's the truth. I know that's not a very popular thing to say in our culture. Even the idea that there is such a thing as absolute truth. Well, isn't true that what's true for you may not be true for me. And, you know, your truth and my truth, well, they may be different. But, but the fact there is, from, for our, every one of us, we get our worldview from somewhere. We get our view about, uh, about culture, about society, about sin, about salvation. We all get it from somewhere. And for me, over time, it's become God's word. That's where my worldview comes from. It comes from, I didn't get there right away. I didn't start there, certainly 15 years ago or 18 years ago when I was becoming a Christian, I didn't start there. But I want to tell you, if you're creating your own morality, if you're, if you're following what our culture says, you're like those guys in that 5K race. You're just, you're just following everybody else. You're going the wrong way. There's only one way to legally completely run that 5K. We believe at Genesis Church, there's only one standard for right and wrong, and it's God's word. Now, if that seems a little restrictive to you, let me just tell you about the freedom that's found in absolute truth. I want to tell you about the freedom that's found in having a standard set for you. Like that you don't have to stop and decide in the moment, do do I think this is right or wrong? You know, I've had people tell me, I'm praying about whether I should move in with my boyfriend. I'm praying about whether or not I should leave my wife. Well, good news. You don't have to pray about that. God's already given us the answer in his word. And if God's word is your standard, he's already answered those questions for you. And there is such freedom. Let me tell you, there is such freedom in not having to make those decisions in the heat of the moment. You know, I've heard it said, uh, you shouldn't decide if you're having dessert or not while you're standing in front of the buffet, right? Because you're going to look at all those options and it's going to be way too tempting. Instead, you decide before you get up from the table. For you and me, that means that we have to decide now what we're going to believe about love and life and commitment and sacrifice and friendship and generosity. And and if we believe that God's word is our final authority about all those kinds of questions, man, it just, we are freed up from making those decisions in the moment. Okay, for the last couple of minutes, I want to switch gears. I want to get very, very practical for you. When you you walked in, like I said, you received hopefully one of these. Uh, It's a 40-day challenge card. And what we've done is we have given you uh, 40 pieces of scripture. If you didn't get one of these or if you don't like carry pieces of paper around, it's on the app also. If you go to the Genesis Church app to the weekend section, uh, you'll see uh, the list of 40 days of scripture there. And uh, what we want to do, we want to challenge you over the next 40 days to read God's word. Why 40 days? Well, a couple of reasons. One, there's something very scriptural about 40 days. Uh, Moses went up on the mountain for 40 days when he received the Ten Commandments. Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness for 40 days. So there's something scriptural about that length of time. But also, just on a very practical level, most uh, psychologists will tell you that it takes about six weeks to form a habit. And 40 days is right about six weeks. And so we've given you 40 scriptures on here. Some of them are very short, just a couple of verses. Uh, Some of them are a little bit longer, maybe a chapter. But our hope and our prayer and what we've been praying for you this week, and I have been praying for you this week, In fact, I look around the room and I see several of you that I've prayed for by name this week um, that you would have a hunger for God's word. And and what I've been praying is that this would become the beginning of a lifelong habit for many of us, meditating on God's word every day. So what do you do once you open God's word? Well, one way to study God's word, this is just one way, but I found it to be very helpful. And we're actually going to talk about this for six weeks. It's called the SOAP method. SOAP stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Uh, 
a little complicated. I promise I'll get to it. So using the SOAP method in journaling is a great way to record and process what God has spoken to you. All you need is your Bible and a notebook and maybe something like this to guide you in what scripture to read. But then you can come back to it later and you can, when you want to reflect on and review some of those answered prayers in your life. If you don't write them down, you're going to forget some of those blessings and some of those important moments and lessons that you had in your life. And while journaling is a very personal time with the Lord, you may find that you eventually want to share some of your daily journaling with your connection group or with your spouse or with somebody that you're discipling in a discipling relationship. So having a written record becomes very important. Uh, I think when we discuss what God is showing us with other people or at least one other person, it helps us to look deeper and gain new insight and even encourage others. And so here's what we're going to do uh, to use the SOAP method. method. First of all, never just open Scripture and start reading. All right, the first thing I want you to do is stop and pray. And you're gonna, you're gonna, you can get to that, uh, that passage, that verse, and then you're going to pray, God, reveal to me. Reveal yourself to me. Show me what you want me to see in this piece of Scripture. It can be as simple as that. That's the prayer that, God, I want you to reveal yourself to me today. And so you'll take uh, a piece of Scripture, and if you're following this, then the verse one, day one, uh, which is tomorrow, is Joshua 1, 7 through 9, which I think if I'm not mistaken, says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear for the Lord your God is with you. And so the first thing you're going to do is you're going to do S. S is scripture. You're going to write down the scripture. You're going to physically take the scripture. I I know it's already in your Bible, but you're going to take it and you're going to write it on the page of your notebook or your journal. And you're going to do that for a couple reasons. Uh, One is that you don't have to keep referring back and forth. So you've got this piece of scripture. Two, God may speak to you a portion of that scripture that he wants you to focus on instead of having to go back to the whole piece. Three, later when you come back and review it, you'll be able to remember what that scripture was. And so you're actually going to write this scripture down. Maybe you pick uh, one verse that sticks out to you or one phrase that sticks out to you. What jumps off the page? And so uh, for, for this day, for day one, it might be, okay, God has told me to be strong and courageous for he is with me, right? And so I'm going to write that piece of scripture down. Uh, second, you're going to write your observation. Oh, observation is in the moment, in that piece of scripture, what did you, why do you think that jumped off the page to you? What does it mean? Observation. Uh, so if the scripture says, be strong and courageous, do not fear for the Lord your God is with you, you might say, that means if God is with me, I don't have to be afraid. And that's what you're going to write down. That's your observation, whatever it is, All right. And then A, you're going to write application. A, the application is, what does this mean for my life right now? And so what does it mean for my present situation? Write down how you can apply this to your life. Okay, I've got that decision to make. I've got that event coming up. I've got that tough conversation that needs to happen. I don't have to be afraid. If I had to do this alone, God, I would be really afraid. But I know that I don't have to be afraid for you are with me. That's what you're going to write down. You're going to write down the application. I can be strong and courageous in that moment. And then finally, P is prayer. After you've studied the scripture and written down your observation and talked about, written about how it can apply to your life, you're going to actually write down your prayer in the journal. And this is so good. This is so important, man. You can go back later and look at those prayers and you go, oh, look at that. Look how God answered that one. Oh, look at that. I was so concerned about that. You know what? I never had to be worried about that. You go back and look, ask God, help, help me put this into practice. God, I know you've told me I don't have to be afraid for you are with me. God, I need your presence this week as I go into that tough conversation. Help, help be with me, God. Show me your presence. Reveal yourself to me. 
You're going to, you, you get used to this. You're going to grow in this. You're going to not just write. You're going to take time to let him speak to you and let him, and to hear from him. You know, John 10 says, uh, the sheep know the shepherd for they know his voice. And if you spend time with your shepherd, you'll get to know his voice. You'll get to know when he's speaking to you. What, what I think you'll find as you do this, as you meditate on scripture and as you journal, whether it's this method or some other method that you use, you, if you make this a habit, I think you'll find out what David found out about God's word. Look at how he ends that one section of Psalm 19. He says this, they, God's statutes, his precepts, God's word, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey. There's that analogy again. Sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. By keeping them, or by them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. And so here's our goal. We want to learn to feed ourselves so that we can grow and mature in our relationship with Christ. You know, we want to learn God's word so that we can better keep God's word. I'm praying that over the course of the next six weeks that you'll grow hungrier for the word of God and that your relationship will grow and be strengthened because of it. And here's what I think we'll find as we individually, as individuals, as we dive into God's word and grow in it and mature in it, I think we'll find that our church matures as well. Our hope, as the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, is this, that we would become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Do you know that there are cunning and crafty people all over our lives? You know that? And they would love nothing more than to get you off track and to pull you away from God's word and to convince you that it doesn't matter. Instead, Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And that's our prayer for our church over the next six weeks, that as we, each of us, grow in God's word, that we grow together as a church and become the body that Christ wants us to be. Would you pray with me? God, I was convicted even this week that I need to be in your word more. And Lord, I, uh, I just repent of the times when I've done it by rote, when I've done it just out of uh, sheer habit and not really soaked in the goodness that's in your word. And Lord, my, my prayer for our church and uh, for each person in this room this week is that we would develop a hunger for you. That, Lord, if your word is nourishment, we need more of it in our bodies. God, help us to develop this hunger and this thirst for your word. Help us over the next 40 days as we start this habit to desire a deeper relationship with you. Help us to see the benefits of eating the scroll and help us to want more and more of that, God, and help us to want more and more of you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.